Hello, and and we are finally here. Finally here, Blockchain Gaming World, episode 100. Um, the episode I thought would, would, would never come, and, and sometimes um, <laughs> thought maybe we should stop at 99. Um, hi, I'm your host, John Jordan, and uh, and we are here uh, at the 100th episode of uh, Blockchain Gaming World. So four years, uh, it's been a, been a very rather slow pace. Um, but but we're here, and uh, and I have two fine fine fellas to talk about blockchain games. So um, before I do the introductions, I will say this was this was not this is not when I first thought about what can I do for episode 100. I sort of thought about what can I do and what what sort of big names can I bring in, and uh, and then apparently the big names didn't want to come in, and then I thought <laughs> let's just let's just ignore it and let's not do it. Let's not do anything special. And I thought no no no, and then and then from discussions I was having uh, as will become sort of plain. Um, the, the, these uh, D- David and Will, who I've known for a long, long time in in, in the game space, and who have sort of you know, followed followed this journey into blockchain games. And I thought, let's really, I really like them as individuals. They've worked on some great games in the past. Um, they're into blockchain now. They have their own uh, opinions. So let's sort of just have a yeah, you know, slightly rambling um, discussion with with people that I know, and they have different opinions to me. So that's why I sort of brought brought us together as a sort of a you know. And, and I'm going to enjoy. I know I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this you know, more than probably any other podcast. So that's why it's a good 100 for me. So so uh, so that's that's the thinking about it in the first place. Let's do some introductions. So Will, I mean, I think I've known you for well over 10 years now. You you were first uh, doing mobile games. You were doing a mobile game for was it was it. Uh, it was some telecoms operator or something. It's quite a cool game. Was it Orange or something? You do anyway. Yeah. And now you've 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 been been around the world making um, free to play mobile games. I guess Angry Birds two um, most famously. Now at Department of Fun, which is your your company that you Department of Play. Department of Play. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, dear. Hopeless. Um, and uh, and you've uh, yeah we've had some interesting discussions about blockchain over the mm-hmm. past kind of month and you're you're running a really cool Discord that we can probably put a link in for, for people who are interested. And and David as well who. Um, Who's you've really done sort of everything in, in games, David? Haven't you you've sort of done the big console games, and you went into mobile, and then we've been having discussions sort of for the last um, this year really about blockchain. And now you've founded a blockchain games company called Playmint, and you are making blockchain games. And uh, should point out we're doing a bit of work together as well, so so um, we won't be shilling that sort of stuff, but uh, we have some interesting mm-hmm. discussions. So so um, so great to have you guys here. Um, Will, do you want to sort of kick it off a little bit in terms of you know? I, th- I think you were probably a bit more skeptical um, than. Me and David ever were about blockchain, but now you're, and I certainly think you're still probably skeptical about some elements of it. But you've, what, what sort of changed for you to be move from that skepticism into whatever, however you would sort of treat your attitude now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't think it's as clean or as simple as like completely, completely was skeptical and now completely not skeptical, and that there was a, a single thing that happened. There was, um, I guess, like John, you you've been doing this for four years now, right? I think back in four years ago, I wasn't even too sure about cryptocurrencies and was um, was kind of dubious about whether or not that would, you know, whether it was a bubble and these things would collapse. And they did, and then recovered. Uh, so my interest in it actually came from sort of personal finance and and um, the sort of fire movement. I don't know if you know financial independence retire early, which is the idea of um, managing your expenses investing and so uh, I kind of got interested in crypto investment there and then started inter- becoming interested in technology realizing I didn't know anything about it then crypto games started happening and particularly Axie Infinity right which is just to see the number of and I was like I, I kind of think this is bullshit but I need to understand this stuff and if I don't understand it I'm going to get left behind right or there's going to be an interesting opportunity here and so the more I started to dig into this and started to, to learn about the technologies which were underlying it and did a deep dive deconstruction into Axie Infinity, the more I was like, okay, this is there's something interesting here in not necessarily the technology, 
but the way in which the technology changes the way that people interact or feel about the the, the games or the items, right? And then that's kind of like layer one. And then layer two is looking at things like um, interoperability between games. You're actually, okay, now this thing's is technology doing something that couldn't done, be done before, even though technically it could be, but like kind of having a permissionless system to use objects, really interesting. And then DAOs and decentralization, and then, you know, it kind of goes deep and you start to think, re, start to realize actually this is not like free to play and that this is a new business model, that this is a set of technologies, a set of ideals. Um, and there's kind of as much philosophy as there is technology in all of this stuff. And um, so under the, sort of down in the rabbit warren, I went into this stuff and realized actually, yeah, there's, this stuff is interesting. This stuff is going to be revolutionary. I believe it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to change the way that we uh, we view and interact and make games. Mm-hmm. And not only is it going to change it, uh, it, it, it's going to be disruptive in a way that I think that none of us, even us in the space, really understand. And so my attraction to it feels like the early days of, of free-to-play where you have um, this thing that's happening, all of a sudden there's companies making money, and nobody really understands it. And so I quite kind of like the juicy problems to solve, but also understanding like the psychology of what's going on here, like the behavioral economics of it. And so my attraction to it is kind of like, okay, how do I deconstruct this and understand it and package it and so it makes sense for me? And then also like, where does it go next and what happens? Yeah, I, I've just pulled out a little bit. So <clears throat> went right down the rabbit hole, as we all have on blockchain games. Recently I pulled out, and started getting my head around Web3 and composability, and I realized, man, the games part is just a small part of what Web3 is going to be. So this is this is really like once in a decade, maybe even longer size thing that's coming along that's going to disrupt not just games, but technology, the web, um, tons of things, media. It's enormous. Yeah, but I, I would agree with you, Will, though. Couldn't tell you what the end game is now, and anybody with a three-year blockchain plan, I, I wouldn't trust in the slightest. I mean, who could who could say exactly what's going to happen in the next three years? Yeah, I think it's funny because we've all we all sort of went through that free-to-play mobile thing, and obviously you, you two were professionals making you know making games, and, and and I was just sort of observing it, and and I think it is funny because because people have done that sort of sort of do sort of. We do sort of frame it in the way, oh, it's, you know, it's like the early days of, of um, free-to-play mobile. And I was just watching a video with um, with uh, Gary Vee and, and, and Mark Zuckerberg, and they were just like, yeah, it's just about, you know, what Gary, Gary Vee was going, yeah, it's just like the, the early days of Web 2. So I think everyone in an industry sort of plays it back to, to the last, whatever the last 10-year sort of disruption was. Mm-hmm. But equally, I think as you point out, Will, it, it is in, in some ways... You know, is I mean, I think in every actually, you know, it is, it is inc- much, much deeper in terms of it's a technology rather than a a way of sort of uh, redistributing sort of content. It's yeah, you know, it's much, much deeper. And as you sort of point out, David, it's actually games is. I mean, games is, games are always good at being in the vanguard of new technology. Games tend to be something that that you know they're clearly not boring, and people spend a lot of time in them, so they're good for sort of early adoption. But but this is you know quite a you know, a big, a big sort of, you know, financial, technological, philosophical sort of, sort of shift. I think in in let's, let's not get too um, in humanity. <laughs> well, how long myself. is this? How long is this podcast, John? Because <laughs> that just sounds really pompous, doesn't it? Um, so let's just stick to the game, <laughs> the games bit. Um, so uh, I mean, David, I'll, I'll sort of throw a question at you because you're actually, you know, making games now. So uh, you know, we sort of discuss this a little bit. Over the last sort of six months, you know, how's your sort of process thinking about? Because you, you, you originally were thinking about a certain type of game, and that sort of then sort of changed rather quickly, didn't it? And, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe you know, without getting too much detail, you know, how, can you talk a little bit sure. around that? Sure. Yeah. So, um, 
I came with, you know, a bit like Will, I was interested in crypto from an investment point of view. I love the way it worked. I like this, that sort of technology. So that suited me anyway. Didn't understand how it applied to games. And I think anybody a year ago looking at blockchain games would be forgiven for saying these games don't look very good. They don't play very well because most of them didn't. So, so I remember peering in and rather than seeing it as an opportunity, which I should have done, first thinking, oh, those games aren't good, which is just one way of thinking about it. Anyway, I started working with a really popular NFT artist and he was able to, that also had a, a background in the games industry, he was able to show me what he was doing in the art space and it was art that had utility, so it's sort of fringing on, um, on you know, in, in that sort of interactive, interoperability, um, composability. And it became clear how we could apply it into games. Now, what I immediately started doing is thinking, what was I doing last? I was making mobile free-to-play games. How can we add this to mobile free-to-play? And, um, and I did exactly the same thing eight years ago when I started working on free-to-play, when uh, I said, right, I make these great, these great console games. Those people that are playing Farmville, they're playing the wrong game. Why don't you come over here and play this proper game that's really fun, people love. And I spent two years failing to bring people over and persuade them they're playing the wrong game. So with blockchain game, at least I did it for a shorter period of time. <coughs> and so after a while, I said, actually, these aren't the games that people are playing in mobile yet. I mean, they will. But, uh, but right now, the thing that's working is down the weirder end, I would say. So, and also it's the bit that we as a company don't know as well, or nobody knows that well. So rather than just spending 90% of my energy making console games or mobile games that I already know how to make, instead I've thrown us right down in the deep end, down in the weird, um, right down the other end. We're doing a project with Loot, uh, the Loot NFT at the moment, which I consider certainly down that end. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and well, I guess, um, you know, when you were looking at Axie Infinity, I mean, you, you, you know, you're sort of, you know, as a designer and as a, someone who sort of looks at these games, you know, you spend a lot of time sort of, you know, deconstructing these things. So, I mean, it, with the Axie thing, were you sort of, sort of surprised how um, sort of loose it was compared to a free-to-play sort of mobile game design where everything I think is much sort of tighter and you know has your opinion changed on 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 that particular game which is I guess you know for you know it is, is still the the great example and probably will continue to be for a while of, of you know a, a multifaceted game in which it's generating you know tons of money <laughs> and lots of players I don't think uh, so when you say uh, it was looser you mean in terms of like the quality of the game or the design or what aspects no, no, of I mean, more, I mean, you spent a lot of time looking at the economy, didn't you? Um, and, and, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've put words in your mouth. I, you know, I, I think there are some aspects of the economy that you, at certain points, didn't re didn't really feel you understood, or that in fact the designers understood. And now, do you see that now as a bug or a feature? I suppose. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> the there are aspects of the economy that I think are ambiguous in terms of the motivations. Um, I need to be a bit cautious because I was talking to someone from Sky Mavis about about this today, and actually kind of have a bit more insight in it now. Um, ah, so secret source. I think that there's maybe a little bit like um, to some degree, you know, that they call um, George Lucas like a accidental genius. <laughs> I think that there were some aspects to this which I think were lucky in the way that they came together. Um, but at the heart of it, it's, it's reasonably well designed. I mean, the one thing I think that gets overlooked in all of Axie Infinity when people talk about it, talk about it is 
because the playtouring stuff's interesting, the you know the staking, the, the governance aspects of it, all interesting. But the heart of it's actually a good game. And I think it's a game which is above average in terms of quality, but it's not yet great. It's not outstanding, but it could get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was my main takeaway from this, was I think, like David was saying, that probably if you looked at things about a year or so ago, these games would just not be particularly great. Axie Infinity actually is there. It's already quite an enjoyable game. I played Magic and Hearthstone. I used to play Magic quite, you know... Uh, I want to say not professionally, but I've definitely played it competitively, right? We'd travel to tournaments. And so it tickles the same parts of my brain, and there's enough depth in terms of the strategy in that game that it makes it interesting. So that is, there's two ways of looking at that, right? Which is that, okay, that's, that's been a lot of the um, success of it, or actually the other way of looking at it is kind of like table stakes, right? That that's what you need at the base of it. Um, but they've kind of built around around this like an ecosystem, which is sort of part technology, so things like wallets and their own side, you know, their own sidechain technology, as well as the aspects of the tokenomics, which are which are bespoke to that game and work in a certain way. And so I think it will become a blueprint for future games. But it's it's different. This type of game is very different from free to play, where we saw kind of like universal models apply. I think this is going to be a lot messier and won't ever kind of like fit into such neat packages. And the the sort of like interpretation of of these models and reapplication of them is going to be quite unique. I mean, that team, Sky Mavis, whatever you look at, you take a snapshot of the game now and you can probably point out some things that don't work from a game designer point of view or you worry how they'll scale or when new players don't arrive. <clears throat> Another way of looking at it is thinking of the, the team that they've built and the experience they're getting. I can't think of anybody in the world that understands blockchain games better than Sky Mavis. So you probably place a bet on them being able to figure out some of the stuff we're describing. It's not like they're sitting there in head office and oblivious to the things that people are talking about or concerned about. So I place a bet on them being able to figure out any wrinkles that are still in the game. I think that's fair, yeah. I mean, I guess the difference between understanding and seeing them and actually applying them is like the culture internally. I don't know enough mm-hmm. about the culture of that team, whether or not there is that kind of like open acceptance of this criticism and, and being able to uh, to push it forward or if they're like a traditional kind of like valley startup of what we just charge ahead and ignore all criticism from the external uh, that I think actually was probably a lot to do with the the, the sort of later failure of, of valley startups in mobile free-to-play. Yeah, I wonder whether though, because you know free-to-play had all the data available um, and blockchain games has it all on-chain available to like for everybody. Yeah, right. So it's not like I you know had those... Uh, meetings with producers and the like when you're building a game or, or, or building a movie when you just have that vision where we're just going to do it no matter what. But here you can see people reacting to the game. Things go up, things go down, and you can't ignore that, presumably. You can't... I'm mean, the... <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry, go ahead, John. No, I was going to say, the, the one, I think the one interesting thing about, you know, um, <clears throat> the Sky Mavis team is, you, you know, they are not a traditional, you know, they're not a games, traditional games development company. You know, in that sense, it's no surprise that a new, a new sort of era comes along, and the first company to do, be successful is, is not, you know, mm-hmm. a traditional games company. I mean, that's sort of as, you know, sort of David was alluding to. Um, uh, and I think the other interesting thing is they wouldn't have got to where they were if they hadn't have had like three years of sort of buggering around trying to get the thing to work. And, mm-hmm. and but actually, what was interesting there was that built the community where they could have quite a lot of sort of shocks. I remember in like uh, last summer, I think. The small love potion, um, I can't remember, like it 10x, the price of it 10x. It was just because some guys on like, um, on a, it wasn't Reddit, but it was like a Reddit type site, just pumped and dumped it. So literally an external force came in and bought $10 million of it to drive the price up and then sort of dumped it. Um, 
which obviously had a sort of an impact on the on the uh, on the game. But because the community had sort of gone along with them so far, um, and at that stage, not that many people were playing it, they they could sort of they could sort of ride it without loss of you know at least loss of reputational damage. And I think yeah, community in the blockchain does get you not not the full way, but it gets you a cert, gives you a certain amount of, of latitude to sort of messing around with stuff. And this year, where they've you know they've changed the, the breeding price is it three times now to try and you know sort of. Uh, change the, the ratio between small off potion and, uh, and, and uh, axx tokens and all that sort of stuff you know they've been able to do that because the community trusts and obviously the price is going up so it's uh, <laughs> um, it, you know, when the price is going down things are things are much harder um i mean i think as, as you were saying david as well the the worst thing is for axe infinity's success is now everyone looks at axe infinity and that is now the blueprint and i can the one thing i can guarantee is if you make if you copy axe infinity you will not be a success i mean that, yeah. that that's that, that model has gone um i mean i don't know how uh, how much you look at sort of new games coming out? Where do, where do you think? You know, do, you, do you think that um, I see Axie Infinity is very much like a crypto first game that you know, is you know, in some ways a sort of you know, a beautiful Frankensteinian monster? It has the gameplay that Will says is sort of you know good enough. Has these incredible weird tokens going on? It now has staking. It's going to have governance coming in. You know, all this sort of you know the, all the bells and whistles of blockchain. Do we think that that is as blockchain goes more blockchain games go more mass market? Is it that type of product that is going to you know, get your average Counter Strike player or your average Call of Duty player into blockchain, or, or is the next wave we're seeing more like people who've made games before, more like sort of the you know the, the uh, you know what they, you know David's experience now coming into play when he can make a, a game that maybe isn't so blockchain heavy, but maybe is a bit more traditional as a game. I mean, is that is that the sort of the crossing point we have? I, I think the key thing, thing at blockchain games, I always find is a weird way to describe what these are. To me, they're player-owned economies, and I think that's not everybody's going to care about governance token trying to influence the direction of the game or trying to make a bit of money that way. I do think that if the main thing for me is a player-owned economy, the idea that you can own something and then and cash out of the game and if you do something well that people like or you're very industrious in the game then you actually see to uh, you benefit financially now that i think is something that everybody understands whether they're you know one everybody's happy to get that close to the game to get to a point where they can actually cash out some money that seems exciting in, in my analogy i've given you before john is youtube when it started paying its content creators suddenly a lot of content creators sat up and started really putting effort into uh, they're all day, every day, creating content. So I think something similar will happen if you incentivize players uh, financially as well. Mm-hmm. So, on the, on that basis, you, I mean, it's a good answer. But it didn't answer the sort of question though. I mean, do, do you do you think that sort of plays into the strengths of existing sort of games teams? Oh, I mean, again, I guess sort of this week we've seen like you know. EA, EA CEO sort of talk about NFTs. We've seen sort of Take Two, who've been sort of quite notorious about not liking new tech, talk about I think digital assets. They said you know Eve Online started minting NFTs in its kind of current tournament. Yeah. Zynga's now got yeah. a, a VP of blockchain gaming. So so for, for up to this point, basically the blockchain, the, the, the traditional game world, has, apart from Ubisoft, maybe has ignored ignored this new technology, and now. I wouldn't say they're running wholeheartedly towards it, but they're definitely not ignoring it anymore. Uh, so, think, so, 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 do, do their advantages now come into play, or is it still? I think uh, I, I did this exercise the other day. If you go right back to sort of Amiga PC and then onto uh, console, and then onto you know, look at each generational change up to social games and mobile games, it's a different set of winners each time. It's it's not the same games, and it's not the same companies. It might be the same individuals, uh, but 
It just historically it's never panned out that way because I think that even though it's uh, people talk about pivoting your company from doing one thing to another, it's an easy sentence to say. It's really hard to do. The the culture, the people, you're geared up to do one thing, and there's a real temptation to say, oh well, I, I can see what's happening so rare, so let's just do that with FIFA Ultimate Team, and then we'll have a successful blockchain game. It isn't. That's just underestimating the task. So I think that the game skills, like you know, being able to make a fun game. Absolutely, but whether or not it comes from the existing game companies, I would think not. Uh, we'll see. I think just like Activision bought King and EA bought Glue and uh, etc. So I, I think that it will end up being part of these big game companies at some point, but I don't think it will come from inside it. Mm. You got any views on that, Will? Yeah, I have a te- I have a tendency to agree with David. Like I think that the um, the the problem with big these big players coming into this space in the same way that a lot of them have failed in free-to-play have really struggled is that there is a culture that exists within business like a kind of like a set of uh, learned knowledge which all of a sudden now needs to be destroyed right because the the attack the reason why this isn't is new and disruptive is because it challenges a fundamental assumption and the fundamental assumption which is being challenged right now is that the way that you build a game and you profit from it is that you capture players and that you encourage those players to spend right in, in free to play and in the in the model prior to that was the idea that you um, you capture player attention and then you force them to spend so they get access to the game right so the, we we challenged that assumption was like okay well what about actually if we give away a game game away for free the pl- the players are in the game they're enjoying it and then at that point we we ask for money that and that seems like a more equitable way of doing it and you know all of the stuff there that, that challenges the assumptions the way that we've been making games for the last three years. The free-to-play came along, disrupted that, and then this is a new way of thinking that we have to shift those models again. In that, not only are we thinking about okay, we we build this game and it's got to be fun, but we also now need to think about well, who's participating in this, right? Because it's no longer just players, it's investors, speculators, developers, which are external developers. Um, the idea that we're giving players something that they can then go and is completely out of our control. And if, I think that the the companies that will do best in this space moving forward are the ones that really embrace that decentralization. The ones that are comfortable with being uncomfortable and saying, "Yeah, this NFT is yours. It's on." And this is something that you know you can't take a Axie Infinity uh, Axie and, and play it in another game, right? So that aspect of Axie is not really decentralized, and maybe they're promising that in the future. But you can't take that off of the Ronin chain and start using it in, in you know, some other game. The the companies that will succeed are the ones that have the sort of conviction of vision to say that we need to embrace that decentralization we need to lose control of aspects of this game and in, in losing control of aspects of this game or this company what we're doing is we're bringing on board new participants and this becomes an ecosystem so um back in my like early 20s i was really involved in environmental activism and there was a, a concept there about permaculture right i don't know how much you, either of you know about permaculture but the idea is that if you build a garden and you want to keep it under control and you want to grow vegetables you can spray it with um, insecticides, mm. right? Or the alternative is that you can find a sort of balance in the ecology where you bring in certain crops which might attract um, other insects which are going to eat pests, right? For example, and the, in building that and balancing it over time, that you create this self-sustaining system. And actually, it, it, what we're looking at here with decentralized games and uh, whatever you want to call it, I like the term crypto games, right? Is that you're building that ecosystem. And it, building that in a way that's self-sustaining is really scary because it's out of your control. Um, even if you retain that element of what you can like tweak in and out of it. But those are going to be the companies that, that succeed. But that's going to be really scary for those people that have got VP positions right now in these businesses where they've they've 
profited and, met, and been able to maintain their position from a completely different business uh, uh, from from what they're applying now. So, what you see in those businesses is that, that those people are so that there's so much fear about losing their job, right? That they execute on an existing business model, and so to go out of that and say, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this idea out here, and it, mm. it's potentially risky for us because this could fuck up in so many different ways from a legal uh, regulatory point of view and and from a a financial point of view it becomes quite scary and so those businesses don't execute in that way and it's just it's an oil tank another issue is that the uh, blockchain games don't take 100% of the revenue so if you're used to taking 100% of your revenue it's a bold VP that steps up and says we've got a new idea for a game but we only take 30% of the revenue that's um, now you know overall it could make more money probably will make more money but uh, it feel it's a long way from what these companies doing are doing currently. Yeah, agree. No, I absolutely think. I mean, I think that's almost like the biggest challenge for these established companies is okay. When it comes to the big console games now, you know, to have a few hundred people, maybe even a, a thousand people, making a game over three or four years and spending a hundred million dollars or something, you know, th- that is not uncommon now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, blockchain can nowhere near sustain that. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think going back to your point, David, you know, if you look at the blo- how a blockchain game sort of probably will work, it will, it will, over time, it will take the majority of its, of its uh, income from the transactions that people are doing selling these in-game items. So mm-hmm. you tend, that's sort of stacked towards the long tail or whatever, yeah, however you yeah. want to sort of term that. So I think these games can be incredibly profitable in the long term because you're, you just keep earning, <laughs> you keep earning for every transaction as long as you can keep people transacting um, the NFTs, but in the short term, you're actually in a worse position because your your primary sale, your your primary sort of revenue in the first year is sort of reduced because you're not because you're selling, and then the, these things are getting sold on, and you're only getting five percent of the value. So it's actually challenging from a business point of view, and then from a um, sort of cultural point of view, I, I guess uh, as, as Will's been pointing out. But right, and do you, do you think that um, have you noticed in games companies that? Some of the employees just don't like this kind of game. Again, going back to free to play, there was a, well, there's a period of time, yeah. <laughs> John's reacting, <laughs> where uh, people but, people didn't want to pl- uh, work on free to play games because they weren't considered real games. By the way, I met, I met a game called Buzz a while ago. People were telling me that wasn't a real yeah. game. So I'm used. To, there's a lot of gatekeeping that seems to go on in the games industry of people deciding what is and isn't a game. Yeah, I- I always, I always think that's that's a sort of a positive sign that people are telling you it's not a real game. <laughs> so, so you know, back back when we, when I was sort of in, in running, sort of running Pocket Gamer on the editorial side, yeah, we we were a website about free to play mobile games. You know, yeah. could we find any? Could we find any journalists who who like free to play mobile games? I mean, occasionally I could convert one over. I could sort of grab one, kicking and screaming, <laughs> take take his DS out of his hand and make him play free to play mobile games, and you could sort of get them halfway there. But but no, I mean there were. In the free play mobile space, there were very few. There was, was like, you know, maybe about five of us in the world, I think, who, who genuinely enjoyed this new type of game. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't talk to really to talk to people in, in traditional games companies anymore. But I, th- I think, you know, I think there definitely is, and I, I've, I guess I'm less concerned than I was. A few months ago, I was quite concerned about a sort of a, a sort of hardcore gaming backlash against this sort of stuff. Um, and I guess it's going to rightly, you know, we saw concern about sort of, uh, you know, ecological issues about, you know, about. Um, blockchains and I think you know for some people that, that that will be sort of prevalent I think probably the industry has done quite a lot to sort of assuage people about that sort of stuff but the whole kind of um so the, I guess you know we've discussed some of this stuff before you know gamesindustry.biz you know a well-known um sort of a uh, games industry website that took quite a strong stance against nfts and blockchain it seems like as the industry has moved towards them they've sort of 
seem to be nuancing their their take on that a little bit, which I think is good. Um, I thought it was a weird, a weird decision to make in the first place. But on the other side, I think you know, you have Kotaku. Whenever you think about Kotaku, um, you know, I would say there's like doubling down on their we hate NFT sort of sort of um, you know uh, sort of position, and that's fine. I, I mean, I don't I don't agree with that, but I think people will have that position. And I know, the one I, the one I wasn't sure about was Discord. So did you see the Discord stuff this week? No. So, so, so Jason um, Citron, the the CEO, put out some. He tweeted on his personal account. It's something like a Discord with some, some sort of crypto wallet in it, or something. You know, mm-hmm. a, and um, and he had to roll back on that pretty quickly. There was an enormous backlash. Well, um, I, but, so. but a lot of um, a lot of people using Discord are gamers, and a lot of gamers in yeah. the traditional sense don't like free to play. Don't like blockchain game. I think blockchain yeah. is in a way an exaggerated version of free to play to to those people. But also, why do why do we try and keep trying to lump them in together? They they really serve a different audience anyway, right? The people that are reading Kotaku aren't going to be. Oh out. yeah, yeah. So so why, you know, but, what, but I think, why is it I, important? I think what's interesting is that you know, if you, a very a one one level, I think adding you, you could add NFTs to a game, and they literally all you could be doing is is these things that were like in game, you know, badges or something, and now things on a blockchain that you can sort of you could trade around or you could set up things where you collect all of them and you get a new one minted to you. I mean, you could do, and you can do NFTs in a very light level right. on existing games. And then all you're doing effectively is, as you said, player-owned economies, you're giving players some extra stuff in the game. So, you know, I can understand why, why console gamers don't like free-to-play games because they're entirely different games. It's an entirely different way of playing a game. I can understand that. The blockchain thing, I think, is, it annoys me more because I think that's just a, a presentational issue at the moment. Um, and I think... Yeah, I think that can change. I don't know whether it will or not. I mean, will, I guess... Sorry. I was just going to say that it's frustrating to me when, and I'm speaking about the UK games industry, which I'm part of, where sometimes it pats itself on its back for two, uh, about Tomb Raider that happened 20 years ago and (laughs) misses social games, misses free-to-play. You know, those went to different parts of the world. And I think we're going to be caught napping here. That's one of my frustrations is... There's too much discourse about uh, are these games, is it e- ecologically sound? And they're all worth addressing, but all the time we're doing that, we're not really make, getting a good foothold on what's going to be an enormous industry. Hmm. I mean, Will, I, I see you in my head as, as a hardcore game. I don't know whether that's a, a, a justified <laughs> reputation. <laughs> what makes you think that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all, all those Dreamcast games we were looking at before. Was <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, I mean, I think you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're in a, in a sense, you, know, you 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 play these sort of physical card games as well. I mean, games is very much part of your personality in a way that I don't think it is for me. You know, games have never been sort of central to me in that way. I'm very interested in them, but I think you know you're a gamer in a way that I'm not. So, you know, can you sort of see that? Can you can you see why there's this sort of backlash? And can, I mean, do you, you do you think that is just a presentational thing that over time, when people to a degree, you know, when people start making money in these things, that sort of sort of goes away. No, I think it. I think it's. I think it's here to stay. I think this is long term. So, um, part of the UK games industry Slack group and the the uh, rhetoric there is 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 pretty strong, right? And it, it's to the point where it's had to, There's there's been a lot of discourse in the last couple of days about how we handle this discussion. I think up front, like we shouldn't dismiss the environmental aspects of this, right? No. Like proof of work needs to be kicked out. I think if you are building a game. Uh, on a, it's a, it's a moral imperative that we avoid a proof of work network, right, for building a game, and mm-hmm. I feel quite strongly about that. But you don't have to do that. I mean, you know, the majority of stuff now is not is you know is not happening on proof of work. And I think this is exactly the point. Yeah, that when you actually look into it, so on the surface, when you look at what's going on with Ethereum and, and the pollution from from mining, I mean, it's serious, right? It's, it's significant, and we shouldn't 
we sh- we shouldn't uh, dismiss that. And um, but it doesn't dismiss it, it misses the point that actually a lot of games are on side chains. They're on alternative networks which use proof of history, proof of authority, etc. And so uh, they actually have an environmental impact, which is probably pretty close to traditional servers, right? Yeah. Um, which in itself not great, but still you know it's very different from proof of work. Um, so. I think that there's an aspect of people that obviously genuinely really worried about this. Uh, I don't see that that as a culture that was generally worried about the environment anyway. This wasn't, you, you know, you, you don't necessarily see the, the same people that are talking about the problems with proof of work, uh, uh, you know, petitioning for people to be vegan, right, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, moral imperative. Personally, I think that cutting out meat from your diet is, is a really important part or aspect of, of uh, us moving towards a, a zero emissions future, right, which we have to do. Um so I think it's a little bit of kind of like a way of, of, of beating crypto with a, a shitty stick. And then the sort of second layer of that is it scams, right? And the fact that rug pulls exist and yeah. is a problem. And mm. we have to acknowledge that. Like as, a, as an industry, we can't sweep it under the rug. So um, those, there, there are valid concerns here. But... Yeah, I was going to say rug, rug pulls under the rug there. That was a, that was a, that was a, meme, a meme happening there. It's like infinite recursive rugs. <laughs> it's, it's a fold. It's a rug fold. You pull the rug and tuck it underneath the rug. And uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so all of this, right? Th- that side, right? Yeah. We've got some issues that we need to sort out. We need to make sure our, our house is in order. But I think it's a little bit of kind of like a, a to some degree for some people as a, a way of beating crypto with a yeah. shitty stick. Yeah. And the, this kind of comes from um, a little bit of privilege, I think. And I think a, a lot of gamers come from a, a middle class background. Um, I mean, this is three middle class white guys, right? Like this, to be honest. Yeah. But I think that that there is an aspect of that, that they come from a certain background where they had access to, to games. They were able to step into the games industry and they could buy games up front. It was never a problem for them. And the thing that free-to-play has done, which it doesn't get the credit for uh, enough, is that it's it, we've moved from 100 million Wii consoles, right, at the, at the peak of, of the Wii, which was considered this uh, broadening of demographics and brought it into the home and, you know, it was Nan's first game, to all of a sudden now we've got 3 billion players on mobile free-to-play, right? Mm. That's huge. And it's not just, they're not just in Western countries, right? These are in emerging markets. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing, you know, India is a huge uptake in mobile gaming, um, parts of Asia, Africa, right? And this is huge. This is like the, the cultural progress of games through mobile free to play is massive. And it, it's the single thing which is, which is broadened participation and um, inclusion. And we should acknowledge that and, and embrace it. But um, it, there's a fight against it because I think that that people want games to be what it always was. And particularly this yeah. comes a lot from the indie scene where what you see is a business model and a type of, of development process, which is really similar to all the games that were behind me, right? In that you pay up front for it and it's a small team that builds it. And that that's kind of how they, they envision games are and the way that they should always be in, in, into the future. Whereas free-to-play says to some degree, actually, no, we're going to give this to access to people that can't afford this and we're going to democratise the, the payment systems. Um, and I think crypto then goes one step further and then it says we're going to democratise the development process and we're going to expand this participation even further again. Mm. And that's really scary for people, for people that, that don't want games to be co-opted or changed. And um, uh, I, I think it would be... Uh, the tactics are, n- are nowhere near what happened with Gamergate, but I think there's a similar motivation here, right? Which is the, the feeling of games changing and progression and a fear of that. And um, it's understandable, right? Like, like there's a thing that you like and, you, and it's a big part of who you are and, and your personality yeah. and embracing that. And I, I hope that what can happen is that we kind of... We do move to a, p- a point where games are games, right? And if you enjoy... 
I, like, I love free-to-play games. I love crypto games, obviously, you know, into the future. I love playing all of these games behind me. They're not just a backdrop. I play card games. I play Magic the Gathering competitively, right? There's so many fantastic experiences in games. And if we can get over the medium or the um, the monetization mechanisms, the business models behind that, and we can just kind of, like, free ourselves, y- y- there's so much to enjoy. Mm. Yeah, positive. Very good, Will. I like that. <laughs> we, we, I guess we could have that as our ending note, but but we're not. I also have sort of one more question, so we can't. We have to go back in. <laughs> maybe maybe it's going to go all horribly wrong. But uh, um, it's always sort of good to look forward, um, as much as everyone. No one knows what's sort of going on, but um, you know, we, we 2021 has been pretty sort of explosive. Um, you know, for, for the for the whole kind of sector, and very I think you know uh, interesting because there's lots of you know people are now interested, and, and there's no sort of real. Uh, consensus about what's happening so there's lots of experimentation lots of money obviously coming in lots of investment money coming in um, how, how do we see given that backdrop how do we see 20 sort of 22 is playing out so i my view is sort of blockchain tends to go nothing happens and then it's sort of explosive um, for a bit and then it sort of collapses again and then you know <laughs> tends to go on those sort of weird, weird sort of um punctuated sort of cycles so there's a lot of games coming out which is always interesting because there's not re- actually really that many blockchain games i think that are um, at, at a state of people actually playing and enjoying. So for me, like personally, I'm kind of excited that some of these games actually coming out, even though most of them I don't think will be will fulfil their sort of potential. Um, but um, I mean, how do you how do you sit playing out, uh, sort of David? Um, mm. Is it is it just going to continue? You know, are we still in this sort of whatever bubble upward rise? Where it's going to con- you know, we've got a bit a bit more to go on that. Well, you mentioned that there's a lot of money coming in, and um, mm. sometimes uh, how these industry trends happen is. Um, like if you were pitching to a venture capitalist to make a mobile studio, you're not going to get the money. Or, or PC games, or console games. That, that's not what, VCs at least, I know that's not the only investment option. So there's quite a lot of people that are making blockchain games now, I think because that's one of the things that they can get investment for. So I think that you will see a lot of games. I think some of them will be more, you know, games with NFT bolted on rather than genuine blockchain games playing around economies. So I think we'll see a lot of that. I want also one, that, and I'm not an expert on this, but people that I speak to that are talk about what happens in a crypto winter. So if <laughs> if next year uh, prices go down on crypto, then presumably uh, that play to earn component becomes less, uh, works less well. Uh, and maybe that's a time where people just get their head down and build for the next, uh, for the next um, when things go up again. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do, do you think there'll be, will Axie Infinity obviously still be there? You know, do, do you think we'll see games that are approaching that sort of economic uh, and, and um, kind of um, audience sort of, sort of level? Do you think that's sort of inevitable or, or is, this time next year, will we go? Well, obviously, no one was going to get anywhere close to actually. Actually, is just this phenomenon, and then everything else was built. Oh, it's gonna, yeah, I mean, there's there'll be loads like that. You uh, think? I mean, but at that sort of size? Yeah, I think there's going to be other billion dollar games okay. next year uh, yeah. in terms of revenue. I think that that's one game type of many. It's clearly popular to play, and the play to earn uh, uh, aspect of it's super popular with maybe a different set of people. So I think you'll see other games with million DAU and billion dollar revenue of what you know, and that billion dollar revenue might not all go to the uh, to the game maker, but but that's, you know, yeah. um, okay. being raised overall. Positive, good. Will, how do you how do you see it playing out? Uh, I mean, I hope that the investment continues uh, into next year for uh, perfect, like, quite selfish reasons. Um, I think that in terms of like the the, the game aspect of this, so I think that um, look, I'm less interested in the games that are coming out next as I am 
the systems or the mechanics which will which will emerge. When I talk to lots of people in this space, the thing that's actually interesting, the thing which is genuinely new, is the interoperability of assets, right? And I think that there are big design and technical issues to solve with that. And when um, I talk to people, that's where where their heads are at naturally. I think so. The the thing that I'm interested in is like what happens when somebody's minting cars and then three other games are using those cars in their game and then there's a smart contract you know built by someone in africa which is burning those cars and turning them into dragons for their dungeon crawler mm -hmm. and like all of this starts stuff starts to to work in ways which we never anticipated like that and you know let's let's forget like gas fees or whatever right which are kind of currently crippling a lot of this more interesting uh, aspects to happen like let's assume that technically gets solved and we're all on solana or whatever um, this is where the stuff gets interesting for me, right? Like Axie, Axie Infinity is like the Farmville moment, right? The, all of a sudden you have a breakout game and it kind of sets a little bit of a model and everybody's looking at it and everyone's like, okay, in Farmville everybody was like, it's timers, right? Everything needs to have a timer on it. And I think that probably a lot of people are going to be looking at Axie and doing the surface level look at it and going, that, okay, that's what it is. But where this gets interesting for me is like when we start to break out and we start doing the stuff which is much more interesting which is not just games and so the stuff i'm looking forward to is like people doing weird shit like david said right <laughs> they're at the weird end of stuff like how weird does it get i want to see some people doing <laughs> well, some really weird stuff with this and so you're that inter interoperability which i think is called composability on web3 is that right oh david very good yeah oh, okay. that, got right. the lingo down yeah, there we are. <laughs> um so one of the reasons why i like loot as an nft and an idea is because it's it starts with the game component and then is can be used in a number of games and the, the idea that you, you start with a game element rather than start with a game, I think is amazing and completely unexplored. Nobody's done it. Nobody's ever done that before. And so I, I love your example, Will, where you can use your, you get a car NFT that, could, that you've bought, I don't know where you buy it from, but you buy a car NFT that then can be used in these different games. And at first I thought, well, why would any game bother to take your car NFT? And then you realize that that's a great way of building an audience. If you say, uh, hey, your car's going to work fine in our game, then automatically you'll start getting, maybe that's what marketing looks like, or maybe that's yeah. an important part of marketing. How about this, David? Like, uh, my, my founders might kill me for this, but what about if there was a, an idea where not only can you use them, but you're profiting from them? You're perfect. There's some tokenomics behind that, which allows you to actually now start benefiting financially from those assets that you're, bit of an interesting thought experiment. Wow. Well, this is, and that's the point, isn't it, right? So when you talk about being more interested in the technology behind it, it's, for me, it's the new ideas that you can now add into your games. And like, we've seen 10% of them in blockchain so far, not even, who knows. Um, there's just loads more. And every time I'm in the office, I hope you'll find this too, I speak to people and we say, we could do that, couldn't we? Wouldn't, wouldn't that work? Nobody's ever done that before. I wonder if yeah. it would be popular. It's much more fun making those kind of games than uh, just trying to increase the art power by a cent, you know. Definitely. And there was, there was so this is something that we, we chose not to pursue, but one idea that I had early on, like, I, I'm throwing this out there because I hope somebody does it. Um, I don't know how much you know about the Once Upon a Time in Shaolin album by Wu-Tang. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, like... Imagine if that, that that existed as a game, and this is something I've been kicking around in my head for a long time, which was the idea of, well, you put this thing on a disc, right? You make a game, you make one copy of it, you put it on a disc, and you send it out to someone, right? And you sell it. Um, what if that was then an NFT? And so one of the ideas that we kicked around was imagine like a Pico 8 or some sort of like uh, virtual console that you, that you build a game, there's only one copy of it, and it has a unique hash, and then you encrypt it, 
and only one person can have it, right? And so that you can only play it then on that Pico 8 console. Um, <laughs> and what happens then if you have the ability to like rent that out? So I can rent this. So David, so imagine uh, that Elon Musk makes a, a game on this mm-hmm, on this mm-hmm. uh, virtual console, and then David, you go and buy it, and I'm like, okay, I'll rent it for you for a hundred dollars an hour, right? And you could stream it and you could record videos of it, but you could be the only person in the world that will play it. And only ever that's one awesome. person at one moment. The, I'd love, for, I'd love for that to happen. I think that's you know a really unique use of blockchain, where it's verifiable, verifiable and public, and yeah, be fantastic. Wasn't it a DAO that ended up buying that album anyway? It was, yeah. Please, a DAO, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that would be a good way of them recouping, wouldn't it? The rent out listens or something, maybe. That's what they're doing. I think they're taking it on tour. But similar to an NFT, they don't own the works, right? Like that, the, right, the right, that right. remains with uh, the Wu Tang. Well, Club. you know, I, I've been looking into this lately, and that's just a T's and C's thing. So I think uh, what CryptoPunks or maybe Board Ape, the Board Apes, that you actually have the copyright gets transferred along with the NFT. My point is that you can decide that as a content creator. Yeah, you can do. Yeah, I think in the instance of Wu Tang, that they kept the, the rights in it. I think it was contractually yeah. you could you couldn't reproduce this thing and start release it as your own album be a cheap way to cheap way to like buy a Wu-Tang album I'd imagine true enough <laughs> good good well as I think you can uh, you can see we could we could be talking for for a few more hours um, but I, th- I think we'll spare spare the audience who some of whom will be completely and want to get through to the end so uh, um, just to say thank you very much Will and David for uh, for being on episode 100 and uh, I guess yeah we're just scratching the surface of, of, of where this sort of stuff is going I think yeah, really, really good conversation with uh, two very bright minds in this space. Hey, John, I'm, I'm the, learning stuff. So, by the way, congrats! Congratulate. I remember four years ago when you started doing this. I go, where? What on earth is John doing? Where, where <laughs> he's gone mad. He's lost it. What's he doing? <laughs> what? What is <laughs> this? Like? Let's have a look at these games. Oh, they're terrible, John. Come back. And <laughs> now it turned out that you're quite prescient. So, well done on that. Well done for getting to 100 uh, podcasts. Eh? Well, thank, thank you very much. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I got. It. I, I guess precedence is something sort of you, it sort of happens, um, and, you, and uh, it's sort of great when something um, sort of uh, you sort of promoting sort of happens. But um, I was promoting it not because I necessarily thought it was going to happen. I was just so inter- interested in it. I think. I mean, that was I didn't necessarily expect it to be the success that it is. But uh, I just and I guess in our own individual ways, you know, when the light goes on with blockchain, I think you for whatever reason, that you just get a bit consumed by it. And well, you also get a bit evangelical. Yeah. And I have, to, I have to check myself a bit because I will, I will talk until people tell me to stop about this. Because once you're <laughs> in there and you, there's so many things to talk about that haven't been done before and yeah. in games but outside of games and yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's hard to stop, which is why this is running on, isn't it? <laughs> but no, I mean, this, this is the passion of the thing. that There's, there's so many... I mean, just even there, where you guys just sort of sort of riffing up of what can happen. I mean, there's just so much, there's so much sort of you know sort of blank space to be written. I mean, that's that's the. It's not just like a five year thing, and not even probably a ten year thing. It's like a twenty year reinvention. And so you, you, yeah. you, met, you mentioned DAOs. I think DAOs are super fascinating. I mean, DAOs are you know, but that'll be issue issue two hundred. We'll come back and <laughs> see where we are. If you can't um, get the big guys by then, we can come back and do it. <laughs> we'll we'll do what a slur at the beginning! Don't start a podcast saying I couldn't get the big. <laughs> Big names, but he's David and Will. You know. I thought it'd be funny. It was a joke. I know uh, you well enough. Uh, okay, let's leave it for the whole thing before I lose my friends. Um, thank you, very, thank you very much for listening uh, and and watching the podcast video cast. Uh, please subscribe via the usual channels every week or so. Uh, we are talking to the people who are building this, this 
this crazy world. Um, and in fact, I can guarantee, normally I say every week, I do have next week's one already done. So, so next week's will be happening in, in a week's time. So, so there we go. Um, please do subscribe. But uh, thanks for watching and listening. And see you again soon.